Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Angeles 2017. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever gonna need to listen to. I'm H. Allen Scott. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And guess what? This is a podcast where we watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then we talk about it. And we just watched season six, episode 12, Ebb Tide's Revenge, which aired on December 15th, 1990. AKA the tearjerker episode. Yeah, it's the buckets, one where Phil buckets. dies and it's, it's very. It's a lot. It's emotional. But it's to counter tough. to counter the emotions, we couldn't do it alone today. We couldn't do it alone, which is which is I mean, which is why we I guess we maybe sound different. I don't know. I probably sound the same in my because we're in a different space emotionally. Well, also, also I find like different physically. places we go, it makes us sound different on the podcast. Like my apartment is very well insulated, surprisingly. Anyway, we are here. We're sitting in a famous person's apartment. Oh, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, please, a golden famous. <laughs> person. If you didn't recognize the voice, please welcome Elliot Glazer. <laughs> Famous person's I like, apartment I like is Elliot, hilarious. I like making Elliot feel very uncomfortable oh my from God. the start. That's ridiculous. I will say, though, all of your gold like statues across mm. the marble floors are oh, gorgeous. Yeah, they mm, are. Thank you so yeah, we much. Are, we are at his apartment. Some light decor. And it's weird. <laughs> he, has, he has a maid also named Coco. I do? Very, yes, you do. It's oh, very, you're, I see. That's a joke. It's a bit. Still doing the bit. I have a maid. I'm like, I've had, I've had a, a cleaning lady every now and then, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure her name's Marlena. <laughs> Marlena, we love you. I love uh, Marlena. Well, thanks for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. We, we is, had to. This is an important episode. We also I have love Atticus. this episode so much. We also have Atticus here, guys. Atticus yeah. is um, a very, very, he is actually more famous than Elliot. He's pretty famous. Yeah, he's really famous. So you guys should check him out. If you watch the, out. the dog wedding episode of Broad City, he Classic. is my dog it's on where the show. He, it's Atticus is marrying uh, John Early's dog. Yes. And yeah. uh, the you know, we had Atticus because he's so well behaved, like mm-hmm. weirdly well behaved, and um, this the 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 pet <laughs> dude, like the the animal trainer coordinator on set, because we had a bunch of dogs there that day, was like m- blown away by Atticus and was like, "How is he not a?" trained show dog. I'm like, no, he's just a weirdo. Wow. He's just a weirdo who never makes any noise and who goes catatonic once you pick him up. He yeah. just doesn't move. Yeah. And so it was very easy to shoot with him all day. Um, whereas on the other hand, John Early's dog, which was this little chihuahua named Daisy, mm. literally didn't stop shaking and farting all <laughs> over John. Sounds like John. <laughs> Sounds like John. Uh. Just shaking and farting nonstop. Yes. But oh. yeah, Atticus was in that episode. Also, and- Abby... Ends up like 
pantsless in that episode. She does, yeah. Yeah. She ends up in a hole. Well, I'm in glad the park. we can start this. I'm glad we can start this episode of the podcast off oh. on a joke, on a light note, yeah. talking about farts and dog weddings. Because <laughs> um, yeah, this one's tough. This one is it's, sad. This one is sad. This it, really was, yeah. you know, and you've heard me say it before, especially loyal fans of the show. Sophia is my weakest link. Yeah. Um, and this one, I got to give it to Estelle. She was funny. Yeah. But also, every you know, like, I shouldn't tear up every time I see this episode. But you I do. know the lines word mm-hmm. by word. Every word, Line time. by line, I know the words, and I tear up at the end because it does feel very raw. Yeah. And as Alan, you've described many, ex- explained before, she, you, you've said she's turning on her sort of theater thing here well, that's, and yeah, doing the I Torch to, Song trilogy. Is I was that what gonna, it's called? I was just going to go into that. Yeah, so I mentioned a lot of times on this podcast the importance of Torch Song trilogy, not just in you guys who are listening to this podcast watching Torch Song trilogy. Sorry, I have to interrupt. Carrie, yeah. if you don't want my dog licking your hand, you are more than welcome <laughs> to pull it away. He's okay. I mean, unless it's like a training thing where you're no, like, no, 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 we no. don't allow him because my just, dog will just sit and lick my hand okay, a lot. Yeah, he, and he's, like, a, he's a licker and a kisser and I and not everybody likes that. No, I'm. that's very uh, sweet of you sure. to say. I've been messaging guys on Instagram trying to find someone <laughs> like that. Um, no, Torch Song Trilogy. The importance of Torch Song Trilogy in terms of not only Estelle Getty's career, but also queer history in general and queer sort of theater and, and media um, and film. So, like, Torch Song Trilogy was a, a, a Harvey Firestein play that ran off Broadway and then on Broadway, and that's where Estelle Getty got her part. She played Harvey Firestein's mother. And it was also it. a movie, right? And it became a movie in 1988 with Anne Bancroft and Harvey Firestein. And it basically was one of the few films in the 80s, because the 80s, of course, was all about AIDS. Like, it was, especially if it's anything gay, someone has AIDS. And in this film, it wasn't about that in play. It was about a man who... He was a drag queen in living in Brooklyn in Park Slope, and he played at this club all the time, and all he wanted was, like, a husband and a kid. That's all he ever wanted. And his life never really dictated that because of what he did and who he is and him being gay. And he had this overbearing mother who never could accept him for being who he is and any of the relationships he wound up in. And something happens in the play, and there's a, there's... There is some death, but it's it's a comedy still. Right. And there's this beautiful scene that is very much like this episode of, of The Golden Girls where Anne Bancroft's character um, or Harvey Firestein's mother's character and Harvey Firestein are forced to, in a Jewish cemetery, have a screaming match about the worth of each of their loves in their lives and who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful scene. And I can't... Watching Anne Bancroft do it in the film, I can't imagine what Estelle Getty would have been like in doing that right. live. Because it was so dramatically... Yeah, uh, hefty, and and it really spoke to what the performance she gave in this episode. I also pulled out um, Jim Colucci's uh, book, uh, which you guys should all have, and I know we talk about the book on the podcast all the time, Golden Girls Forever. Um, but uh, it's right behind you. Oh, it's great. Somewhere it on that shelf. It's somewhere yeah. behind me. <laughs> um, but Mark Sotkin, the writer of this episode, past um, guest on this podcast, in this yeah, past guest of the podcast, uh, said you know, as part of this episode in Jim's book, that this episode was really hard for Estelle. I think emotionally people yeah. were talking about, like, children passing away. And and she um, connected, she was very connected to the AIDS community, yes. right? Right. Yeah. And um, I guess she, Sophia was originally supposed to make, like, the Teddy joke at Phil's casket, but she said that didn't feel honest to her. It didn't feel honest that hmm. she would make any... Jokes. jokes about her, and right. so yeah. they changed it and then they got nominated for a Writers Guild Award for this episode. Oh, wow. And I also think that, like, the balance between 
humor and drama and a yeah. heavy emotion was like they they wrote it and handled it very well because there are a lot of jokes in this episode. It's really a funny episode. Yeah, yeah. Really it funny. really is. Like, I mean, but also, sorry, this is Atticus. Atticus? <laughs> He's so voracious these days that he licks the bowl clean, even though it's already clean. And I'm so sorry. It makes so much noise. I mean, I sorry, would do listeners. this. I, I'm, re- I'm trying to lose weight right now. I'm really hungry. I relate to Atticus's <laughs> plight in this moment. It's well, like, sorry, go ahead. It's just, a f- it's so funny. And like, like it is a dramatic episode about like real things. And, and it's very, it's also very Italian. Mm-hmm. Like it's very much about like, family and family rules and 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 it's just it feels almost you know mob like in the way that they you know it's it's a very italian storyline about like loyalty to family and it is just so fun i mean it really is so fun. it is so funny when and to imagine what a, a man a man in a casket wearing a teddy like that insane. is hilarious. It's insane. But when the, when the camera, when the priest is walking, when Father uh, Salerno, Salerno is is walking around, and and the camera is moving with him, that's an empty casket. Very, they didn't, yeah, they very didn't put much enough flowers empty. in there. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, you can see right in. Make sure you got enough but flowers. But I do. I just love. It. I love. Is he wearing a suit? Uh, what did she say? Almost. Uh, not exactly. Is he wearing a suit? Not exactly. A dress? Mm, not exactly. Culottes? Please don't say culottes. <laughs> He's wearing a teddy, but a masculine, masculine teddy. teddy. That is the that is one like that is such a fucking funny, but a masculine teddy. A masculine and then to imagine teddy. what that uh, it's so good. And it took me several, several, several viewings before I actually built up the energy to Google what a teddy is. <laughs> <laughs> I was just imagined for so long, like I didn't even I didn't really assign anything to it in my head. Where I was just like a teddy. Okay, it must be some sort of like sexy piece of lingerie and that's kind of what it is right yeah. it's like a yeah, yeah. a short nightgown yeah it's like i'd a say little, like a short it's kind of shocking one piece of lingerie right. if i myself know what a teddy is and i'm thinking of i mean i don't of what a teddy is i may or may not own a few do you yeah, do you I wear do. it for stan maybe <laughs> um on those dirty nights. It's interesting to... Let's just talk about Phil as a character in this show because he's someone who's referenced a lot. A lot. He's almost always the butt of always a, a punch joke. Line. He's yep. always a punchline. And we never meet him, and yet he he dies. And we have this yeah. episode that's so heavy, and we're still able to feel Sophia's pain and Dorothy's it's pain, crazy. and we never met him. Yeah, Howard Stern calls it... Well, I mean, this is different, but... He his whole show he likes to th- call theater of the mind, mm-hmm. and it's the truth. It's like when you aren't given, especially like reading a book, when you aren't given the actual tools to see this thing, person, or thing, it actually impacts you sometimes more yeah. because it's your brain choosing what that looks like. Yeah. We're choosing individually what he actually looks like. That's mm-hmm. what the movie. That's why the movie Signs was so scary to me until we actually saw the alien, and then I was like, <laughs> "This is dumb." But up until right. then, scared the shit out of me. I mean. I would, yeah, I would say Phil is not unlike Alien and Alien. <laughs> Phil is not unlike the Demogorgon in Stranger Things. <laughs> Phil is the unseeable, the unknown known or whatever. Or the, that's, that's uh, what's his name? Donald Rumsfeld. The, yes. the known unknown? Yes. What am yes. I talking about? The unknown known. The known, the Known unknown. Known unknown. Can we talk about the living room scene where Blanche comes out wearing her red number? So good. It reminded me of Satan her. Satan's secretary. Was it? Was it, yeah, the funeral dress. She, or no, was she, what was the red dress she wore in another episode? Oh, for that her didn't wedding day? Was her wedding day? Oh, yeah. She still fits in it, but it doesn't zip yeah. up all the way. You know what this episode reminds me of, too, which is funny? 
Sophia try. <laughs> Sophia my leg. <laughs> Sophia um, uh, trying to bust up or bust up. Try to like. You know, uh, uh, fuck up the wedding for Stan and and, and Dorothy, right. but it's only rehearsal day. Yes, and she comes up, yes, <laughs> to toe black. <laughs> and and my thought process was like, well, is that so crazy? Like, she would that someone would wear black to a wedding? And then I realized, like, I'm thinking of like the like the little black dress. This is like Sophia wearing <laughs> all black and like a pearl necklace, yes. like the most dour outfit. That mm-hmm. is really funny. <laughs> Um, I love Dorothy's line when she, cause you know, she, she talks about how Phil dies and he went out to buy an evening gown and he had a heart attack <laughs> and she says to die trying on knockoffs go- at big gals, big gals pay, pay less. less. I also like, I love that they flip it on her kind of, and let her be the, the sort of, not the butt of the joke, but she's not actually piecing together what we're seeing, which is a rarity mm-hmm. for her to say, a man goes out to buy an evening gown. What is it? A man... Uh, like, what's the worst you expect to yeah, happen? Or yeah, something? yeah. So a man goes out to get an evening gown. You don't think anything could happen, could you? Right. Or something like that. Right. And it's funny. It's funny when she's sort of not aware of what's going on. Well, the entire series, I mean, Dorothy, not the entire series. It really, the Phil lines and the Phil being a crossdresser really only came about in the last few seasons. Yeah. It really, Is that right? I don't no, think it was I from the like beginning. they said it early on. Did they? Yeah, I feel like they mentioned. There's it a really funny. Yeah. I forget what episode it is where she says, "Phil and I used to love trying on um, each other's clothes," mm-hmm. and he's and she said, and Blanche says, "Oh, so you liked wearing boys' clothes?" No, and luckily for me, neither did Phil. Yeah, <laughs> it's so great. Um, why do you think? Why? I mean, I guess we know why because it's the show. It's very interesting that Phil that they had Phil's funeral down in Miami when Sophia and Dorothy seemed that is to the be strangest, the only family. Yeah, it's so strange. strange. And also, his children come. weren't there. Wait, wait, yeah. say that again. It's it his was, children didn't come. So his only family is Sophia and, and Dorothy, Dorothy. Right, but his in children Miami. don't come to the funeral, which is bananas. Yeah, yeah. Makes and no also, sense. even if. Even so, my I mean, my thinking is: Does that mean they shipped the body? Like, what? How did his yeah. body get to that happens? Well, did yeah, he, like if you like if you were to die on vacation out of state or something, and you or sometimes if you're, you know, you're in college and your family's in a hometown, yeah. or you just you know you live somewhere else, but you know you're going to be buried with your family's plot. So I don't know the logistics mean? of how. Yeah, I just read a great book me. about Lincoln's son and them not being able to ship the body back to Illinois. Sorry, random. Shipping it like that. What does that mean? Well, there, you can ship. Actually, no. I we did. I, this are you happened. thinking like like when I fly to like New York, I, are there no, bodies in the plane that I'm on? You, you can fly. You can fly bodies. You can. I know this because we did oh, that yeah. with my grandpa. Oh, does they fly him on ice? Like what is that? Dry ice? I don't know. If, I don't know if they. I don't know. I wasn't with Listeners, them when they flew. Listeners, which one of you out there are in like the embalming? <laughs> Someone knows. Morgue flying knows. dead bodies. I mean, it's business. a very scary question to ask. How did Phil get from New Jersey to Miami while completely dead? On a plane, probably oh. like a like a FedEx plane, right? Oh, that's <laughs> so <laughs> like scary. With packages. I, think, I think they have on like commercial airlines options. Please for that. don't say that. I don't want to think. I don't want to know that. I'm pretty sure they do. You guys have flown Delta before. <sighs> There's been a dead old body oh, downstairs. God. Also, they wouldn't ship the dead Next bodies the with dogs. the dogs. Yeah. That's no way. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, it's very interesting that. Um, Phil's wife's name is Angela and that Sophia has oh, a feud yeah. with her just like her sister Angela she has also so th- many feuds she's, she's the original Real Housewife yeah she's like the original Danielle Staub um, <laughs> should we talk about <laughs> Brenda Vaccaro wait I have a question yes is 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 because 
I love. I mean, there's nothing more patronizing than Sophia calling Angela Big Sally. I mean, I love <clears> it. It's so mean. It's so except you and crude. I have texted What's the about reference? how we get well. Big hold Sally. On. Yeah. My question is: Is Big Sally, an, like, is Sally a name that's actually has something to do with the name Angela, or is it no. specifically just like I think it's, it's a, a cultural fat name. reference. It's like you know, like Bertha. You know uh, so mean? it's like a it's like a fatty yeah. name, and Sophie is just like so. you're Big Sally. I think so. That's it's like horrible. A, it's like a chatty Kathy, chatty Charlie sort of. I've thing. just never heard of Big Sally. Like Me I either. was like, I feel like she's a truck driver, but like she's really peppy and like yeah. maybe like has really good hair. Yeah, I Big don't Sally. Know. I love it. I love Brenda Vaccaro. She's pretty great. She's she's she's. <laughs> can I, can I tell you guys another fun fact I learned from Jim's book yeah. about the role of Angela in this episode? Please. So apparently. Cher was a huge fan of mm. the Golden Girls Amazing. and would, would watch on her treadmill. And so And that's back then that's, that's back when it probably wasn't 80s. electric. The How? treadmill? I guess it was electric then. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, <laughs> otherwise you're just running. <laughs> they have these new those treadmills weird, that yes, don't have those weird crossfit treadmills. They're very bizarre. I don't understand them. You they don't have them? electricity. No. They're bizar- They're like self-starting, and yeah. so they're shaped sort of like a U. They like dip, oh, and they go terrifying. so fast. They're very scary. So fast. Oh, interesting. I can't keep up. But they're probably better Wait, for the environment, right? So, oh, yeah, they are. They are good. They're really no, good for I want the environment. the environment to save me. <laughs> Has anybody else had the awful experience, and I've had this many times in a treadmill, of running very fast and the treadmill shutting down? Okay. I have... Uh, no. no. This happens to nobody but Let me. Let me just say... Let me just think it's hilarious. Elliot, Elliot and our mutual friend Brent Sullivan, past guest of this podcast, um, we have constantly, frequently, we have this group text going for years now of just us shitting on lots of things. But Elliot has shared this about... Tra- there's something there's something in the way you're running or something I am in so how insulted <laughs> that this, it happens so often or it did when I would run on treadmills where I would run really fast and the treadmill would stop and be and like you're not pressing the button or anything nothing and I'd have to unplug it and plug it back in and this has happened on different treadmills at different gyms and my question is is the treadmill like fat shaming me and being like, <laughs> I can't handle that? Like, what, what's or happening? Or are you running so fast that it's yeah, sort of like a um, like a Back to the Future? You've you've peaked <laughs> at your eighty-eight miles per hour, and oh, now wow. you're just but honestly, in a new dimension kind it, of no, situation. But, but honestly, is the treadmill actually saying you're going too fast? No. For what? Like. There's no way. And also, then I think about it, and I'm like, well, I'm not like a, f- a big, fat person. What and setting thinking, are you putting it at, though? Uh, very fast. Have you entertained like how, the idea what's of very a ghost? Fast. Super fast. Like, like, like 12.5. Why would anyone do that? Because I would do it run in intervals of like very, very, very fast, then walk. Very, very, very fast, then walk. But, but very th- fast is like eight. Yeah, but if you can go all the way up to 10, 11, 12, there's no reason that the trouble should be like, no, 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 not you. Not it, you, got, buddy. Yeah. And then I think about it, and I'm like, even if I was like 500 pounds, would the treadmill be like, no, stop, you know? Or like, there's no way that the treadmill stop it, stop run, you know, working for like huge bodybuilders and football players. Okay, out on the Lanai fans, let us know how you transport a body and also let us know if any of you have had troubles on a treadmill like Elliot has. We really need the, we really need your help this week, guys. Treadmill shame. Yes, no. So guys, no. back to Cher. We should also say, incidentally, about Cher, yeah. I mean, I know it's not directed exactly to what we were saying, but 
the, while we were streaming this episode, <laughs> the re- the strangest commercial that I've seen in as long as I can remember, besides maybe the creepy Burger King guy, was a was a Gap ad that looks like it's from their mid nineties, which is already yeah. strange. Where Cher is duetting with Future, and mm-hmm. they don't look like they're in the same room, no. and it's so it does look st- like they were shot separately and composited together. Oh, <laughs> sorry guys, what is that? <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. So, anyway, I can't see Cher as Angela or Big Sal. I mean, Sa- Big I can't so because this Cher was, this was, was years. This was years after Moonstruck, so she played. She was definitely the character of right, Angela. But we haven't yet said what they. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Cher is a fan of the podcast. Oh, or, oh of the sorry, show. Cher was God, probably a fan of the podcast wish. too. Um, but she was a fan of the show, and the writers, uh, I guess. Multiple times wrote roles for her, and yeah. at the last minute she would decline. Yeah. And so the last role that they wrote for her was Angela. This Angela, and uh, and she declined at the last minute. What in once the world again. could get in the way of pl- of doing do, filming a? Well, I guess she was doing those shampoo or whatever those. Inf- remember that she was doing those infomercials no, at that this was, time. This was years later. After that, at this time in 1990, she was starring in the fantastic film Mermaids. Yeah, and but she's- she also came out with. Wait for it. If I could turn <laughs> back time. Wait, this is from 1990. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That and the infomercials come time, later. Yeah, but turn back time. I think was 80s. No, is, I think it was 90. No, I well, think it was 80s. On. So what you're saying is that before she was, was doing after the infomercials. After Moonstruck, before the infomercials, they offered her to do the Golden Girls, and she turned it down, even though she she said, "I want to do the show." Yeah, yeah. I just wonder if it's yeah. one, if if she's like just had like scattered brain, like oh no, I can't this week. Thinking like I'm Cher, they'll just yeah. write another role for me next. What week. other roles do you think she would have tried out for? It or came that out have been 1989, guys. You're right, 1989. I don't know. I hmm, who could they have written for? Yeah, Magda. Know. Nah. Nah. But Cher would have been incredibly distracting in this Very episode. distracting. She Very distracting. And Barbara Vaccaro does a fantastic but job. Brenda, let me just say. What did I say? Bar- you said uh, Barra? 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 Barranda? Branda? Let me just say. I'll take it. I think I wanna, you once I called wanna, Rue McClanahan Brew McClanahan. I'm sure. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I want to give credit to Brenda because she is an accomplished actress that should be recognized. Academy Award nominee. Right. And she was in two different films that are close for? and dear to my heart. This film, this, this one time for us, it was not in the 70s, but her big claim to fame was a Midnight Cowboy where she played a woman who hired um, John Voight, who's a prostitute in the film, mm. and they have a very hilarious romp. And she was nominated for that? No, she wasn't nominated for oh. that. She was nominated for another film. But then, years later, how I literally picture it, me, 14 years old, St. Louis, Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri, at Werenberg 14, Sine in De Pair, I was watching The Mirror like Has another Two language. I was like, I was, yeah, what? I don't know what any what? of those words are. I was watching, <laughs> people in St. Louis will know, I was watching The the Mirror Has Two Faces with Barbara Walters. <laughs> Streisand. Barbara Walters? My, my brain said Streisand and my mouth said Walters. It was mm. very strange there. Barbara Streisand. And in the, in the wedding scene, in the very beginning of the film, there's Brenda Vaccaro, who happens to be very good friends with Barbara Streisand. Huh. And I literally flipped out. It was like, oh, it's Phil's wife. It's Big Sally. <laughs> yes. I loved the, like, the vinyl fake, like, uh, animal prints oh, yeah. that she was oh, wearing at the, the cemetery. She's it very gaudy. Also, wait, hold on. Amazing. Brenda Vaccaro was nominated for Oscars? For a Oscar. For, do we know? Oh, you said for some... Yeah, it was for a film I don't remember from the 70s. So that is, I mean, it's not every actor or actress who's nominated for an Oscar who goes on to... I mean, where is she? And also, like, 
She's a good actress. Why is she, why is she like? She's she's character actress. She's playing. I mean, she, and she also an this is you know resume. this is an Emmy oh, is right? awarding yeah. show and it's six season. Yeah. And, she's, one and if you're going to replace if, if Cher, an Academy Award winner, <laughs> Cher can't do it, and you're going to replace you got to replace it with another Academy Award nominee. I just honestly like I know this is the Jew in me, but I'm like dying to know how Brenda Vaccaro makes money. Where does she live? Does she live in the Valley? Does she live in New York? Does she live in, Jer- in Jersey? No, is she a member of Fran Drescher's family? I think right. I think she's she actually could have plucked and. Angela out and put her in the nanny oh, is like one of doubt. Fran finds. Uh, okay, let's talk about the cemetery scene. The cemetery, which is the same one where oh, they, they buried, buried Big Daddy, Big Daddy like, minus I, the I, weeping willows. I, just, I had to say, just to give her credit, Brenda, she had a very busy 2017. She Did was she? A, she was in Gypsy. She was in The Clapper, Superior Donuts. She was in Kubo and the Two Strings, Just Let Go. I mean, she's busy. Good. That actually makes me very happy. Yeah. I'm glad. She's, so she's probably in the hills somewhere. Yeah, you're right. She's probably in the hills. Yeah, she's working. Um, Dorothy's eulogy in this scene... Well, first, I mean, I feel like, Elliot, We every time well, we have you on, we always talk about the jokes at the expense of Dorothy's looks with incredible. the father asking her, you if are she's a, a dude, girl, yeah. are you? Yeah, are you a girl? I love that he says girl, too. Yeah, so is the I assumption, I guess we're saying that Phil was a cross-dresser, but not transgendered. He was not transgendered. Okay. I mean, But well, that seems like well, the priest is well, sort of confusing. Let's, wait, yeah. Let me back this up. So let's keep in mind. This was 1990, mm-hmm. and some of these words, transgender, was not well, collectively clearly, word yeah. a known that was a known word. So we can't imply or, or expect a series to use language that didn't exist at the time. Let's just say that. Also, too, I, in some sense, Phil died in 1990, the character, mm-hmm. um, and we don't know if Phil ever really maybe would have transitioned at some point. Like, maybe maybe Phil didn't know that that was a possibility. Well, Phil makes me think of my uncle. Yeah. Who, for all intents and purposes, cross-dresses. Yeah. And we've... It's been a sort of family... It's not a secret, but it's... Yeah, no, it is. It's a family secret that sort of, like, unfurled itself over many years. Well, not anymore. I blew the lid off of it. But no, but, like, you know, there's been... Small increments of yeah. cross dressing that we've seen, and apparently, you know, I mean, apparently, some have, others have seen him in even more, you know, of w- women's clothes. Mm-hmm. And so I always think about Phil, and um, if I, I always think about Phil, someone who I never met because he's not real, <laughs> <laughs> and he never was seen. You never see no. anything about Phil. But yeah, with that being mm-hmm. said, yeah, it's yeah. interesting to think about Phil, and I, I love. Oh my God, I fucking love. I love so much in the cemetery scene when all these these like widows come and lay flowers oh on the casket the and best. Blanche as their sluts. And it's not even like like the jump the A to C jump there of going like who are they? And it's like, oh, are they they're they're like mistresses of his? Yeah. And mm-hmm. no, it's actually dudes dress up like women. And you add on the extra joke that they're his poker buddies. Like, yeah. it's so good. There flew is, from Newark flew to Miami. From Newark. Good friends. There is good something friends. that I, I do have to say about about those three and then also just Phil in general and, and cross-dressers. There's this great coffee table book. I forget the name of it. I have it at home. I'll post it when we post this episode. But um, the, the, an artist found sort of photographs um, from, like, the 1950s of these sort of Tupperware parties that existed um, amongst men who would leave, I forget what town they were in, but they would go out to this sort of retreat, this house, and, and they could all 
put on women's clothes and sort of have tea parties and have sort of the whatever. And, and, and they were able to sort of be women for the weekend and then go back to their wives and their children mm-hmm. and their jobs. And, and we forget that like, this is an isolated group of people. Maybe they're trans, maybe they're, maybe they're transvestites, maybe they just, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. But like, we forget that there's a whole culture out there of people that were like this. And in some way, yeah, the Golden Girls are using it as sort of a tongue-in-cheek way to tell a joke of a character right. and to make a character more fanciful and weird. But also, too, this is the only episode where they really sort of shamed Phil. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the rest of the episodes were very... They were tongue-in-cheek. They were funny, sure. But they never outright said... They never disregarded him because of it. Mm-hmm. And also, the you know, the whole episode is... Technically, they're goofing on... You know, the goof is that, like... There's this family feud happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But there is. There's this feud happening that it turns out to be because of a dowry. Yeah. Which is so old world and so funny. But then after that actually gets revealed in the very last scene, then we actually get to the meat of the right. of the character, which is that Sophia is literally just suffering from not just, you know, her child passing away, but more importantly that she thought she was the cause yeah. Yeah. for his cross dressing, which yeah. is like Whoa, 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 wait, wait, now, wait, just before we leave, but I like, know. it's a big yeah, state, it's a big st- they statement. They do, they unpack it slowly. But it's you very, want that. It, it, and, and, it's, and you get a, it that, right at the end. That's a per- I mean, that's perfect writing there. Perfect. And the, and yeah. that ending where, what, you know, what did I do to make him the way he was? Yeah. And what he, you know, what he was was a good guy. Like, yeah. that's it. I'm out. I'm done. Like, yeah. It's all he so was. So good. It doesn't matter what else he was. It's also really interesting that this has been Sophia's point of view about Phil for all these yes. years in so much, because in the episode where Clayton wants to marry Doug, you know, she famously says, everyone wants someone to grow old with and shouldn't everyone have that chance? So yes. she is yeah. liberal and open-minded and progressive. Well, you're conflating two separate issues, which I, and I will there's a, there's a big difference between that statement and what she's going through here, only because A, not a family member, that's one thing. B, Clayton's gay. Very well, yeah, no, no, she's saying, I think Carrie's saying that she's very progressive she's very in her values. I think, I think we're putting that on her. I don't think Sophia's actually progressive at all. I think Sophia's, you don't? no, I think Sophia's actually more conservative than we like to. I mean, not politically, I'm not talking politics, guys. I'm talking about in terms of the way she sort of lives and works. Then why and do you thinks. think she would say that to Blanche? Well, because it's different there, yeah, for that. I don't think that's necessarily a progressive, liberal, conservative thing. I think that's a mother saying, you know, or a friend to a friend saying, like, it's, it's pretty should, progressive. But it's about acceptance. Like, I think it's like she can't, she wants Blanche to accept her brother and, like, her brother loves someone and just wants to be happy and shouldn't you want that person to be happy? But yet she can't accept the same of her son. It's like he's not hurting anyone. Because it's a different anyone. thing. Because it's a different, if it's it her makes son. him happy well, and he's not hurting anyone. But also what's happening there is that up until that point, she, you know, insofar as we saw, would like, sure, Phil was the punchline, but it was never about him being a weirdo or a creep or some sort of like, you know, uh, uh, societal, you know, uh, 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 outcast. It was more just about this is his thing. And so this is the first time that as she does point out those things and it's still funny and tongue in cheek, it takes her to break down to actually show a semblance of understandable conservatism about this, where she's like, God, after, you know, after all is said and done, I am uncomfortable with it. Well, I also don't but, think but otherwise I think she is very progressive, but she doesn't, I think it's, I think personally from someone who I feel like 
I mean, I have many trans people in my life. I understand trans people. And I have, I've been involved in many of whatever. I think it's actually offensive to compare um, acceptance of gay people to acceptance of people who maybe don't fit on the gender norm. And when... And I know that many trans people also get very offended when straight people lump trans and gay people into the same yeah. bracket all the goddamn time when it's not a sexuality issue, it's a gender issue. And they're two very separate things. Sure. But gender, and, so, but gender right. and sexuality, as if we're talking about Sof- <coughs> Sophia's... Well, yeah, and my point is... Wait, 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 my point is... People. No, my point is that, yes, you're right. Acceptance of love in whatever form it comes, but in 1990 at that time, insane. the idea of someone wanting to be a insane. different gender yes. is insane. Insane, mm-hmm. and so the fact that her that's happening to her son, it's very separate from what Clayton's going through. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that Sophia is taking that leap, yeah, that er, that in 1990 saying totally, you should you know you should be complete. You forget about forget about accepting your brother. You should. Or not forget about tolerating your brother's sexuality. You should accept it because he's just like you. Yeah. And her saying that Phil was different mm-hmm. is still not her saying he was sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and in nineteen ninety, to your point, like that is quite extreme. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's great. Hey, you also brought up a really good point at how at the uh funeral in the cemetery that after Dorothy gives her eulogy, she doesn't have a seat. She has no seat. <laughs> There's no one to see it. The what'd you say? She has no seat oh, at yeah. the end of the eulogy. She just has to go up and hold Rose's hand. Stand I wish, there. I wish we saw the kids or heard about them. Well, I mean, if you're never gonna see Phil, like if we see any one of the family, at least we see Big Sal. It's sort of a on par to not see But the how kids. many kids do they have? They had a bunch, if I remember right. There was an yeah. episode where Sophia went and well, and that was an, another question that I had where Angela talks about how, like, again, because of the feud of, of you know, the dowry where her $47 check <laughs> bounced and, you know, Angela says that she, like, never came to visit and, you know, whatever I did or whatever you think I did. So I good. How many times? How but, many times do you think Brenda sat at home with the man of the moment and was like, I just have to read. I have to get this right. I'm, I'm, I have to be Cher. She's great. <laughs> She's so great. I feel like she just knew it. She nailed it. But yeah, Sophia has gone to visit them. I think it might have oh, been yeah, a little a romance where mm-hmm. she like packs all of That's her like right. marinara sauce. So right. she's definitely yeah. gone to visit and again has like made fun of Phil. They live in a trailer and eat roadkill. Angela does not strike me no, as someone she does who not eats roadkill, she, by no, the way. There's no way that she lives in a trailer. There's no way they eat roadkill. That's no. a, a very different character than the one we saw who was basically... I mean, I was literally going to say she's literally Brenda Vaccaro, but it is Brenda Vaccaro. Yeah. Brenda Vaccaro is basically playing Brenda Vaccaro or yeah. uh, Karen and Goodfellas. Like yes. very, oh, yeah. very Lorraine Bracco. Very Lorraine Bracco. Pre-Sopranos. Yeah. What do you want me to do about it? I love you! Guys, season six of the show, they got B. Arthur to walk out of the kitchen oh my God. on her knees. This moment <laughs> with B. Arthur is like, because you don't see B. Arthur doing slapstick no, a lot. No, you don't. The fact that she is, I mean, this compares to her being in the grab that dough machine. Like that, those, oh, yeah. these, those two moments, highlights for me. So good. So good. I love it. Oh. <laughs> um... Let's see. What else do we have to talk about? I mean, we learned we're that jumping all over the place. Yeah, with this it's episode, fine. Guys. We learned that Rose's because... co- Rose has a cousin named Ing- Ingmar Hassan Pfeffer Studelduker. <laughs> oh, what was the last thing that she's who would shit what out of I an say... oak tree? I said, did, did Rose just say, and it was something that sounded very odd. Oh, Rose said something on when she was on 
on the couch. It's about how um, her dowry, w- where uh, Blanche thought it was jumping beans, and she said, I'll have you know it was the biggest pumpkin of the season. <laughs> no, well, that was great. That's one of those lines that they cut from syndication. Yeah. But no, Rose said something, said a weird word or something that caught me off guard. It wasn't Hassan Pfeffer Studelduker? No, 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 not that okay. one. That, that weird word? Nope, didn't, not that didn't one. throw you? I think Rose, in, in many ways, Rose is sort of like, a standout in this episode. I mean, Dorothy's great. Dorothy's great, but Rose subtly throughout the episode is is sort of, you know, having little lines with Sophia where she's implying like it's okay to cry, it's okay. She's being the real heart of the episode, and and then she really sort of manifests that in the end when Blanche and this this happens a lot when there's episodes that doesn't that don't center around Blanche. Blanche becomes dismissive and almost bitchy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. And, and in this episode, she sort of was that in, in her being insulting to Rose and the comments and the things that she would say. And then at the very end, you know, Rose is like, I'm serious. Like, she she actually, like, tries she to... Says, I, I, uh, she says, I didn't spend, like, or something like, I spent a long time at that grief counseling yeah. center. I learned a thing or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it's and then struggle. later she says, you know, when she's talking about Ingmar, she says, let go of the shame. It's okay. He was different. It's okay that you loved him. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, my baby is gone. Oh, wait, I like, know that she said, I know what it is Okay, now. that she said Ingmar was slow, slow Ingmar. Right. Oh, she said slow. Is that his name? I think. No, no I think like, they, they were describing him as slow. Oh, as slow. Yeah. And I never okay. heard that before. And it was like, oh, wait, they just came out and Blanche's, I mean, sorry, Rose is actually talking about a cousin or mm-hmm. a relative being like mentally disabled. That's not the right word, but like. You know, behind. Yeah. But, you know, a little, yeah. a little off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, oh wait, it's just interesting to hear her say that instead say of slow. the usual like, yeah. goofy descriptors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh great, great, I get it, I get it. That's yeah. Cool. Normally it was like he had herring yes. in his pants. And, and she's saying, yeah, yeah. He, no, he had actual yeah. like neurological problems. Problems. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I do love Sophia's buildup at the end after Rose sort of gets her to her where. Sophia saying, you know, whatever she did to make Phil him the, the way, way he was, the way he was, and and if you think about it, like that's a real thing for a parent. Totally. That's a real thing. Oh, yeah, that it's you acceptance take, of your child. You, she but, says, "What? What? When was it? When was it that I did whatever I did? Yeah, what did I say what, what did I do I to say? Make him what the did way I do? Was. Which yeah. I mean, if you think of like, I mean, you know, Ellie and I are gay, and I can't think. I'm I'm sure that our parents at some point maybe thought like. Was there? Did, did we? Did do we do something, something to do this? Mm-hmm. Like you know, there's, there's, it, you, you have to. I maybe have that with a child. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, how can you not? How can you not? You exactly. Know, it's uh, you. They're your children. Yeah. Right. And then you know, of course, Angela w- comes up and says what he was was a good man, which is right. like so good. And that's yeah. And you know, this is different point. from that. But what I love about this show too is that when I think back to like let's say 1990, and mm-hmm. I was seven years old. And let's say I had, and I didn't, I don't, I don't think I knew that when I was that young, but you know, when I was a little bit older, you know, probably like 12, 13, that's when I had an inkling that I was, you know, different. Mm-hmm. And so when you, as a, let's see, I was, let's say if I was like, let's say it was like 1993. Mm-hmm. So I'm 10 years old, maybe even push it up, push up to like 1995, yeah, yeah. 12 years old. You know, you there. It wasn't the same time as it is, is now. You know, political correctness was happening, but it wasn't the same as it is now. Being gay was weird, yeah. and bad, yeah. and different. Yeah. And so to look around and take cues from like cultural 
you know, items, TV mm-hmm. shows and movies, which are what were most accessible to me. Yeah. You know, I remember thinking, watching like my so-called life and mm-hmm. being freaked out of the idea that if I, if my secret came out, that I would basically turn into Wilson Cruz yeah. and that suddenly I would have like a weird long earring and I'd start wearing makeup and like <laughs> weird, like Amy Grant hats yeah. and I would be bullied, you know? Yeah. But then you watch something like this, the Golden Girls, and it's like, even in the even in the world of this show, mm-hmm. they're still apo- uh, uh, apologizing. Is not the right word. They're still validating his experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he, we never we've never even seen him. Yeah, yeah. but he cross dressed. You know, so uh, Blanche's brother is gay, and Sophia's going to bat for him too. And it's like it's normalized in a way that sure it was 1990 so the humor about it was different yeah. and now everyone would be offended immediately which is understandable but nevertheless like this show would have given me more comfort than like this quote unquote you know m- more uh culturally like the show that aware. was maybe yes. like aimed yes, specifically aimed at, at doing that, that yes. on a more regular well, I mean, basis i think in a lot of ways like even now, you know, you look at events of like Charlottesville and, and the different things that are happening and, you know, you have a lot of white people sort of really reassessing the role of race in this country yeah. and, and racism in this country. And there's a line that I'm remembering people posting around saying that like it's 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 not it's not African Americans' job to cure white people of racism. It's right. white people's job to yeah, cure themselves absolutely. of racism mm-hmm. and to and to school each other yes. on you know, their ignorant ways. And I think in some ways like this in 1990 is a way of straight, white, cisgendered sort of women to say, this is okay. This isn't weird. You need that so that my so-called life can come later. Exactly. You mm-hmm. need, you need, you need. The- oh, you know, when he Holzman was like, God, I love this show. Oh, she was oh, like yeah. at her like, oh, I, oh, I giant wish. computer I wish. typing. I wish. Um, this was a great episode. Such I'm a glad good episode. We- I definitely feel like I need to gazoon tight. I feel like I want to go home and watch. Now I want to watch like a little romance. I want to watch Forgive Me Father. Case of Libertine Bell. Something a little bit lighter. A little softer. A little softer. Sure. But what an episode. I really do love this one. What are our golden takeaways? Oh, God. I can't even with this episode. Um, You know what a golden takeaway is, Elliot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to say it. Um, Golden takeaway. My golden takeaway from this episode is for every single person listening to go watch Torch Song Trilogy. That's my golden takeaway. That's a great takeaway. Yeah. I would say mine is, you know, it's interesting because this show is such a huge part of my life and so many lives. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, as a like writer and actor, you, you try not to let budgets creep into a lot of what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's so f- sort of, heart like like uplifting and edifying to see the golden girls reuse sets that i know yeah. from other scenes like the the, the funeral mm-hmm. thing the is funeral home, dad, the, yeah. the, the cemetery i mean i love that and yeah. it's like it's just, i mean it's just I, I i write on this i write on this so- soundstage that the show was shot on mm-hmm. and so it's just interesting to like wow. think about that and wonder but also appreciate the fact that the, even the golden girls even the golden girls yeah. had to stick by a budget and cut corners yeah i love that yeah mm-hmm. so great that's an interesting that's like a nice little insider's I guess uh, so. golden takeaway um my golden takeaway is something that i think it's it it's fitting for this episode but it's something that 
I didn't talk about in the last episode when I talked about going to see Betty White. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that she said about death that uh, I thought was very interesting. Um, She said that when she was younger um, and and she would like ask her mother about death, uh, that her mother would say, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of dying because when you die, you finally learn the secret, the, the one secret. And the idea is that anybody in the world could learn everything that there is to know, possibly know and experience everything there possibly is to experience mm-hmm. on this earth. But it's only when you die that you actually know what happens when people die. And so well, she said, so she tried happens. to look Me at either. it in a more yeah, positive I'm, way. I'm okay. When you die, you That's learn great. the secret. Um, Love you, so Betty White. Know? Love you, Betty White. How does Ma- Mama White know? <laughs> I mean, you know, I just I thought it was a very I think that's I great, but I'm also like that Betty I'm White said. totally okay with not knowing what that's like. Yeah, like I'm fine with that. The I secret of life. Yeah, upon your expiration. This no. I honestly Se- thought I was going to get a better reception from the two of you. <laughs> the secret me. of life. It freaks me out. It freaks me out. Having cable, just have cable. Oh, that's man. the secret now of I life. To go watch the Libertine Bell and and, and <laughs> yes. soothe my soul. <laughs> All right, guys. If you are following along with the podcast, the next episode we will be watching is the Bloom is off the rose. The Bloom is off the rose. That's the skydiving episode. Oh, so good. And this has been out on the lanai. Thank you, Elliot, so much for for coming and doing this. My pleasure. What's going on with you, and where can people follow you on the interwebs? Just everything is at Elliot Glazer or ElliotGlazer.com. And if you're in Los Angeles and you want to come see my show on the 16th of October, it's at the Virgil. Haunting Renditions Live. I'll be out of town. Oh, okay. I should be here. You better go. You better go. Everyone else should go. go, too. Go in my place. It's fun. (laughs) <laughs> it is fun. I will say Haunting Auditions is show. such a fun show. They can look it up like videos online. Oh, yeah. Too. Oh, the yeah. videos exist. I've it's watched them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Full it's band. It's so great, guys. You, you really, if, yep. if, if Stan it's, is if, obsessed if you're with near them. one of those, you have to go to it. I insist. Please come. And you guys can go to outonthelanai.com for everything with the podcast. And I realize we haven't uh, plugged our store lately. If you go to outonthelanai.com slash store, yes. I believe you guys can buy T-shirts. I've been wearing a lot of like my Mike Dennison <laughs> shirts. Um, yeah, you guys can get merch there. We have merch, We're very which bad we at never merch. plug. We're very bad um, at merch. And if you guys want to make a donation to the podcast, you can go to outonthelanai.com slash donate. You can make a one-time donation or set up a monthly donation through Patreon. I'm going to see how fast I can say this. If you guys can't make a monetary donation, but you want to support the podcast, you can go to iTunes and leave us a nice rate and review. Mm-hmm. And I'm H. Allen Scott on everything. And I'm Squiddy Squid on Twitter and Squidzy on Instagram. <laughs> oh, and I'll be in, I'm going to Baltimore. In uh, uh, oh God, what date is that? October eighteenth for we, the, the just we, the wedding, the couple, the Golden Girls wedding. It's going to be amazing. And oh, Stan yes, Zimmerman yes, yes. and I are going. We're going to have a nice little chat about. We'll record it for the podcast, of course, but have a nice little sort of conversation about him and the Golden Girls and that everything. That's it's gonna amazing. Be amazing. Yes, so That's amazing. Guys, check that out. Miami is nice. dot com, I believe, is the website. But we'll post it on the website on yes. our page just to be sure. And remember, guys. As always, stay, stay golden. golden. <laughs>